Howdy, y'all. Welcome into South of Scruffy Podcast. My name is Ben Fields. This is my podcast. You're here. You made it. Thank you for being here. How are you guys doing? Everybody good? Everybody taking care of themselves? Everybody healthy? Man, it's running through everybody I know. I hope you guys are uh, are staying safe and healthy and taking care of yourself, keeping your space. Uh, and if you're sick right now, I'm sorry. And I hope you get better because the struggle's out there, man. I hope everybody's doing all right, though. I got to meet uh, a guy, Brandon Folson, who's on the show. And Brandon, I've been curious about for a little while now, since I've started hearing his name at every turn. Uh, had a chance to see him live recently. He's a musician. He's a singer-songwriter. Uh, he's extremely talented. He's been in the game for a long time. He's got a radio show called Serious Honk that he hosts on uh, realknoxvillemusic.com. That's an internet radio show that he hosts every Tuesday night from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time. And uh, Brandon was fantastic to talk to. We got into a lot of different topics, not just his music, but other people's music and his influences, what got him there, all that. The whole reason I started this thing was was to have conversations like this. So this really was a big one and a, and a big success for me. And I hope you guys enjoy it. That's uh, that's coming up in a couple minutes. I do want to tell you guys about a couple of things uh, that uh, that I've got going on and that the Patreon crowd has going on. And one of those is the new podcast music that we're going to put on the podcast that Matt Honkinen at Pitchwire has created for us. And I have posted that on Patreon for the patrons to vote on to see which one they like the best that they think should be the next podcast music that you guys hear on the intro and the outro and all that. Uh, that was really fun to go through that process with Matt. The music's up there on Patreon if you want to check it out. It's super good. And uh, in the next couple of weeks, we'll be swapping it out and experimenting with some new music for the podcast. Another thing I want to tell you guys about is... Uh, a film that uh, we made this last year in uh, Colombia, South America. I went down to Colombia, shot a fly fishing film with some friends of mine, Dorsal Outdoors. Uh, it's Ben Meadows and George Constantine, uh, a couple of guys I got hooked up with. We have been going on international fly fishing trips together and filming them for the last three years, four years now, and one of them got into the uh, fly fishing film tour, which is kind of the industry big boy. This screens the best fly fishing films that were made in a year. So uh, ours is in there. It's called Dan's Pain, and it's touring around. It should be in Knoxville this year, but there are a few dates that they've announced already where our film will be screening. So if you're near any of these places, you should go check out Dan's Pain, our film. Let's see, January 22nd, Bozeman, Montana. I will be at that show, actually, that screening of Dan's Pain. There's two shows that night. And then you got Spokane, Washington. That's January 25th. On January 27th, Seattle, Washington. February 4th in Boise, Idaho. February 5th in Portland, Oregon. And then uh, the tour is in Chico, California on February 9th. Those are most of the West Coast slash Upper Midwest dates. So we'll have some Southeast ones coming out soon. But if you're in any of those cities and you want to see some of our work, go check it out. Flyfilmtour.com. There's tickets available for some of those shows still, I believe. All right. Here is my chat 
with my friend, Brandon Folson. I hope you guys enjoy it. Here it is. We're doing the podcast. You feeling good? Brandon. Hey. How, how are you, man? Good, man. How are you doing? Good. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. Yeah. It's like uh, I talk about uh, frequency illusion a lot on yeah. on this show. Do you know about that? Where it's like after you uh, after you become aware of something, you end up seeing it a disproportionate amount of times. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. That's how I was with you. Okay. Because yeah. uh, I'd, I'd not heard of you till probably about six months ago or so. And then after... Yeah. Uh, you know, our, our mutual friend, Mike McGill talked about you. I started noticing you all over the place. I, that's how it goes. <laughs> it's, it's funny. You know, like if you get a new car, you've never saw a car like that till you get one Yeah, and then you'll see it. You'll be like, Hey, there's my car. You know? Yeah. That's what somebody, <laughs> that's what somebody said the other day when they were here. We talked about the same thing. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Well, man, I, uh, I've listened to your, is it called serious honk? Is that the name yeah, of the show? Serious honk. Yep. It's good, man. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Wherever Tuesday night on uh real Knoxville music at eight. Yeah, uh, me and Mike looked up uh, looked up the Real Knoxville Music website when he was here, and we man, there's some good stuff you guys play on there. Yeah, man, there really is. There, I was surprised when we started that up. You know how much good stuff's out there. Uh, the question, <laughs> I mean, really, the yeah. question I had, you know, at first was when Chris Lamb first presented the idea of me doing a weekly show. I was like, well, can I do this and it not get, you know, is there enough material to go around every week? But there is. I mean, we were amazed that the stuff came in, and we had good friends like Wayne Bledsoe. Uh, John Baker, uh, people at own studios just giving us their library of stuff and saying, here, put this in your library. So really? next thing you know, we've got like, I don't know how I, don't, I lost track. I know it was over 70 hours worth of music and we passed out a long time ago. So really? I, I don't know where we're at now. Yeah. So uh, Wayne Bledsoe knows, man. He oh, knows yeah. everybody. Man, he is the encyclopedia. We call him, me and Mike McGill calls him the Ayatollah of rock and roll. Yeah. I, I, mean, it. like, <laughs> I love I mean, it. you don't need Google when he's around. If he's in the conversation, you can just. Ask him, and he he don't have to pull his phone out and Google it. He's got it. Yeah. Is he with you guys now? Yeah, he is. Okay. Yeah, he's doing the 6 o'clock swerve from uh, Barley's is on there now, and so is the uh, his old show that was on WDVX, the Midnight Show. It was uh, all over the road. Yeah. It's now called Miles to Go. Okay. And it's still 12 o'clock at midnight, so. That's awesome. He uh he alluded, I think, when he was here to, to he was going to slow it down with the WDVX stuff and stop doing it, but it sounds like. He he slowed down, but he did take a couple of his yeah. uh, his shows. He's still getting them out there and getting them on the air. Yeah, he is. And then who was the other guy that you mentioned? Baker, uh, John Baker. Now he he uh, he's not uh, doesn't have a show in Real Knoxville, but he helped contribute a lot. He had a lot of like the old uh, you know he had a lot of old albums on CD. Is he a producer? Uh, yeah, he's he's just four minutes from you. That's where I just left. And really, his studio's over on. Uh, off of Woodson. Were you playing some music tonight? No, I was just catching up with him. I hadn't seen him in a while. I've been working on some new music and uh, just went in there to pay my studio bill and get back in the swing of things. <laughs> Is that where you record? Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's the Arbor Studio. Okay. I, it's so many people that come in here that are musicians that are in the know, like yeah. you, uh, say that uh, that there are like three or four studios like a mile yeah, from I reckon my so. house. <laughs> yeah, you're surrounded. And when I told John I was coming this way, he said, "Well, John and Mary's studios right over there next to him." So, uh, yeah, yeah, I got to meet all these folks because yeah. they keep getting brought up. We got to have them in to yeah, you got fill to. in the gaps. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I enjoyed your uh, spot uh, on the Mike McGill Christmas Spectacular. Thank you. You were the first guest he had out. I was. Did you play? 
did you did you play two songs with him right out or did you come back later? I forget, I played, but I feel like you played a couple songs. I played two songs with him and then at the end we just kind of all came out and did a sing along kind of thing. Which yeah. actually I didn't know the words. I was just moving my lips. That, <laughs> like, that That's what he told me too. I said I said I don't know that song. He said just act like you do. <laughs> like so, the, there's twelve people on uh, yeah, stage. Yeah, I could do this. We could all kind of dance and spot. You know, so it, it was a lot of fun. That was, that was really cool. That's great. Uh, so where did you where did you grow up and come from and coming up through music? Like where's your where's well, home? I, I grew up in Bell County, Kentucky. Bell it's, County, Kentucky. Yeah. Dude, we were talking about Bell County the other day. Uh I forget. I think it was on the podcast. Uh but I, I grew up in uh, Cumberland Gap for like the first couple of years of my life. Really? That's where, yeah. So Bell County. Ca- oh, that's where you live now? Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. So Bell County is right across the border, It is. Right? I'm on the tri-state. You know, where, from where I live, I can literally uh, be five minutes, I'm in Virginia, about 10 minutes, I'm in Middlesbrough. Yeah. That's right there on the tri-state. But I grew up over in Bell County. You know, I was born in Tazewell, Tennessee, one of the last kids born in the Claiborne County Hospital. And my then, mom worked there. Really? Yeah. When wow. uh, when my dad When my dad was... Well, my dad was working. I forget where he was, but that's why we lived in Cumberland Gap. My mom yeah. was a nurse at Claiborne County Hospital. That's awesome. Yep. And that's that's cool, dude. So, yeah, that's the part of the world I came up from. And, uh, you know, I got family on both sides of the state there. So it all feels the same. It feels like one, those three states kind of feel like one place to me, you know. Yeah, it all it, comes it together. It all comes together right there. So it's a beautiful part of the world that not yeah. a lot of people know about. It really is. You know, I lived down here in Knoxville for a while. And when I went back, I didn't really realize it. You, sometimes you have to go away from something and go back to it, see it again and go, well, you know. Yeah, that was pretty good. It was, yeah, because yeah. <laughs> there's so much stuff. It's funny, man. Like there's things around there that I've, you know, that's been like annual events that I've never went to just because it's in your town. You don't yeah. really think about it. Yeah. You know, they had like a Civil War reenactment, you know, once a year used to. I don't think they've had them since COVID, but, um, you know, they would have those and people say, hey, I drove from pennsylvania to see that how and i'm like I'm, it's five minutes from my house and i hear the gunshots when they're reenacting it but i've never been i finally ended up going one day on a field trip with one of my kids really like the first time and everybody's talking about what a cool thing i was like well it's been happening for years and i finally made it over here I'm, cool. I'm really guilty of that what's that uh hensley settlement yeah that's not far from me what's not, what is that place what was happening there i remember you know, taking I, a hike up there one time you know honestly i we took a we took a field trip when i was a kid up there i I can't remember that far back. Um, it was like a whole town. Just it was a little, up, yeah, it's little, a little Appalachian town up in the woods. Little Appalachian town up in the woods, man. It's really cool. There's there's a lot of those kind of places around that part of the world, you know. Yeah. It's pretty cool. I remember I remember hearing when I was up there recently that that like that Bell County, Kentucky was like the poorest county in America or yeah. something like that. It's I think it's number four maybe now. I I was talking about that the other day. It's it's up there in a lot of things. Yeah. But good people, yeah, probably the good, best people you'll good ever people. meet. You're good people, man. Yeah, but uh, just a kind of hard scrabble cut it, out. It is, you know, it's it, people there. They, you know, there's not a whole lot of industry. There's nothing really, you know, there other than coal, and that's that kind of go comes and goes. It's always yeah. been that's always been something that, uh, you know, it it comes and goes. It has its moments where it booms for a minute, and everybody, you know, gets something, and then it goes away. And it's it's just a it's a hard life, but you know, it's. It's just kind of where I grew up, and sometimes you don't even realize you don't even realize you have it tough because you're just in it. Yeah. And then one day you look around and go, "Dang, I kind of had it rough as a kid, but I didn't." You know, I took my kids back and showed them where I grew up. Like you know, years later, and as I'm driving through it, they're like, "Wow, Dad, you you grew up in the ghetto." <laughs> I'm like, "Well, I didn't really think about it back then. I, you know, I, I didn't think about it being that way because yeah, I was just there." I guess you, know? you had a different perspective then, and it was yeah. just living. It was just your life, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what what were your parents up to when it, that that took you there? Well, my dad was a uh, he drove a 
truck for his whole life, a uh, log truck. Well, first he started off driving the coal truck, and then when then he when coal dropped, he started driving the log truck. So gotcha. My dad was a truck driver. My mom was a stay at home mom. I was pretty much an I was an only child, you know. So were you really? Yep. Okay. Yeah, and I, and you know I I got to I got to admit you know a lot of people I've I've met other people that's only that's been an only child and they say stuff like, oh, I wish I'd had brothers and sisters. And honestly, man, I enjoyed it. <laughs> I enjoyed, I really enjoyed being by myself. I think it still kind of lingers today. I'm really, you know, it, it's kind of been a challenge for me in relationships because you get with somebody and you, you say to them, yeah, I'm going to go in my room for a while and shut the door. And you know, they're like, what are you going to do? Like, why, do you don't, why don't, why don't you want to sit by me? And I'm yeah. like, well, no reason. I just thought I'd be alone for a while because <laughs> I was so used to that, you know, growing yeah. up, like growing up, my friends would come over, all my buddies would come over and we, we'd play when I was growing up. Then they went home. I went off and roomed myself. It took me, I'm, I'm 41 years old and I still have that moment where I'm like, hey, shouldn't you all kind of be leaving now? Let me get over here by myself. <laughs> Man, there's a lot to be said for being cool with being by yourself. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I've, I've always, uh, and I, I stay, I'm, I'm a, I think constantly. So I write songs. So it's, I don't mind being to myself because I've always got something to think about or write about or. Yeah. So you know. were you were you a sports guy growing up, or did you no, do not just much at the all. arts? No, just, no I've, I really wasn't into sports very much. Um, never played. I, well, I played. I, I take that back. I played my sixth grade year on the basketball team. Okay, you're I, a pretty tall guy. Yeah, I was a center, yeah. and I never scored a point. But yeah. I got a couple of blocks. That's a lot. that's what you're there for. That's what I was there for. I, yeah. I, I missed every shot I ever got, but uh, <laughs> I got a few blocks and and got the ball on the tip off most of the time. There you go. I was kind of a bean pole back then. But so did the music start pretty early then for you? I was about, um, I was probably 16 and it's a funny story. Every time I tell the story, people get a kick out of it, but, uh, it's a true story. Like, believe it or not, my, my dream as a kid, I never wanted to be a musician. I wanted to be a pro wrestler. Really? Yeah. That's all I wanted to do. And that's all I watched. That's all I wanted to do, you know, was just do that. And, uh, around that time in the nineties or in the mid nineties, this wrestling group came to Middlesbrough and they started putting on shows at the YMCA. Nice. And, uh, they had a lot of guys like from Knoxville, like Buddy Landell, Tracy Smothers. Yeah. Some of those uh, old, Terry Landell. Terry Landell. Yeah. Yeah. All those old guys would come in, you know, and, they, and they'd make a guest spot. They, they, they started having it like once a week, but then maybe once every so many months, you have a kind of a guy that was once upon a time, a big yeah. deal. You know what yeah. I mean? And he'd come in and that's all I wanted to do. And so. A cousin of mine was the referee, and uh, I went down there and started hanging out with him and getting backstage, getting to hang out with Jimmy Golden and all these people. And I was like, wow, this is so cool. That's what I want to do. And so um, I talked to some some of them there, and they was like, yeah, we, we'll train you to be a wrestler. And at the time, I'm like 16 or 17-year-old, yeah. you know, and they was like, we'll train you, but uh, it'll be like, I can't remember how much. It was going to be like $2,000 or something. We'll train you how to be a wrestler. Oh, my gosh. So I go to my dad, and I'm like, hey, dad, I really want to be a wrestler. And I'm, I'm not even out of school yet. And dad's like, uh, he's like, I'm not going to give you that money. He said, you go down there and those guys will break your neck. He's like, yeah, they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> I was like, he's like, wait till you finish school. If you still want to do it, you know, we'll, uh, you can do it then. He said, but I, and I was so upset. So I'm trying to go out and mow grass and trying to find jobs in, in the summer to try to go to this wrestling school. That's all I wanted to do. Yeah. Well, during that time, I'm saving up my money. And at the same time, we was talking about this before we started the podcast. My dad had a bunch of coon dogs. Yeah. And we coon hunted when I was growing up. And I had this Walker coon hound, and I had kind of got away from going hunting with my dad. Hadn't done it in a while. And it was a dog that he had gave me uh, to take care of, but I kind of dropped the ball on that. <laughs> and so one day uh, he walks in. He's like, well, he's like, you know what? He's like, I'm going to sell that old dog out there. He's like, you ain't took him hunting in forever, and I've got too many. I need some money, so I'm going to sell him. I was like, wait a minute. That's mine. Yeah. And he's like, no. He's like, it's not. He said, you're not even fed it forever. He said, you ain't even went hunting, done nothing. Uh, so we start arguing about it. I'm like, well, I'm trying to save money so I can go be a wrestler. You know? 
I'm not going to feed my yeah. dog. Pay to feed my yeah, dog. Yeah, it's so uh, it's hilarious. So dad's dad's like, I, I said, how much are you going to sell him for? And dad said, I could probably get about two fifty out of him. I said, well, give me two fifty. He's like, I'm not giving you two fifty. So we go around in a circle, <laughs> and finally he just leaves the room. He leaves me alone. I was like, all right, fine. <laughs> he comes back a little while later, and he's just holding this, this acoustic guitar he had. It was a Sigma acoustic guitar, and he goes, uh, he said, you know, he said, uh, I ain't going to give you two hundred fifty dollars for a dog that that you don't even you, you ain't even took care of. He's like that I gave you. I'm not yeah. going to give you. He said, but he said, you know, he said, I got this guitar. He said, I paid two fifty for it. He got it down at Broadway Sound. And he was oh, like, nice. He's like, I tell you what, he said, I'll give you this guitar for that dog. How about that? And I sat there for a minute and I had been writing some poems in my notebook. Just just when I was bored, I would just sit and scribble out poetry. Yeah. And I didn't hadn't never told anybody about it and I never had to show nobody those things. And I remember looking at that guitar thinking, Well, you know, if I learned a few chords he said well he'd said to me, he said, You know, you learn you some chords, learn you a couple songs, it's something it'd be fun to do. You might enjoy yourself. And I was like, in the back of my mind, I was thinking, you know, I could just take those poems, and if I set them to music, I'd be a songwriter. That'd be kind of cool. And I just, right there in that moment, I was like, yeah, sure, Dad, I'll swap. So I take the guitar and started learning my chords, started banging out some, you know, Hank Sr. songs, just three chords, you know, and just learning how to strum and forgot all about the wrestling. It totally left my mind. Once I got once I got bit by the music bug, I never I never even thought about it. Like it was a long time after that, you know. I'm I'm like I gotta have an electric guitar now. And I gotta have an amp and I gotta have this. And yeah. I was like, I thought you wanted to be a wrestler, and I'm like, uh, I forgot all about it. Just, like, glad I didn't spend the two grand. Yeah, glad I didn't. <laughs> yeah. Man, that Hank Williams will make you forget all about wrestling. Oh, he will, man, for sure. He's uh, I'll never forget when I first heard Hank Senior. I was in California of all places. Yeah. In this house and uh that that was under construction, somebody this guy was working on it and he had the Hank Senior box set. Yeah. His, you know, thirty, thirty five songs. Yeah. And oh my gosh. Yeah. Man. It'll stop you in your tracks. Yeah. When did he die? When he was twenty nine. Like twenty nine, yeah. And he sounds like he's fifty. Yeah. And lo- and looked a lot older than that, you know. Um he had spina bifida. He did, yeah. Yeah. And it, you know, they say yeah. Last place he was seen was downtown Knoxville, seen alive. Yeah, and you know what's uh, it's funny you brought that up because uh, it's back in let's see, it would be New Year's Day of 2016, I believe it was. Um, me and my dad, I I had this bucket list thing I wanted to do. I'd always kind of been obsessed with Hank Senior, and I I had uh, really that last ride story from Knoxville to Oak Hill, West Virginia. I was yeah. always fascinated by that story. And so I just always had this bucket list thing I wanted to do. I wanted to wait till New Year's and I wanted to just drive that drive from it's, uh, he's, he was last saw at the Andrew Johnson hotel. So I wanted to start there and just take the back road. Well, now in order to do that, I, I found the route on a, on a website. It was like a museum in Alabama. And I found the, um, the route that you would have to take. And what's wild about it. If you just Google Google mapped Oak Hill, West Virginia today, you could get there from Knoxville in about four hours. Yeah, get on 81 and go. Yeah, and you're there. <laughs> yeah. But if you take that back road, it's about seven hours. Yeah. And it's and, and so me and dad did that on New Year's Day of 2016. No and way. Just, yeah. And just stayed true to the route and drove it and uh, stopped it. And man, it was so wild. When we stopped, there's this little gas station there. It's not, it's, I think they, I thought, well, I think it's tore down now, but there's like a little pump left out front. It's got some yellow police tape around it. And I read up on it. They said that like the town of Oak Hill wants nothing to do with him. Like they don't want no museums or anything built. So when the, it makes no sense. The only thing they had for him was across the street, there's a library and they had a little plaque on the library steps over there. That's all they had. But where he, where he was, where the driver discovered he died, um, I, man, I don't know that it looked much different in 1953. Really? That's, how, that's how the town looked. It was so, it was kind of haunting to just stand there and kind of just, well, when we got there, we pulled over to the library and it's got police tape around it and we get out and look at it. Like, so there's where it was. There's where the driver discovered that, you know? 
And I told my dad, I said, I'm going over there. I'm going to stand there for a minute. So I go over there and crossed over the yellow tape and just stood there and took it in for a minute. Like, hey, this is kind of the spot where they discovered that. Man, so that's a crazy story how he yeah. how he died. Like uh, being the, first off, one of the most influential country artists ever. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just the, the, one, the Mount Rushmore of country music. Yeah, he's music. the measuring stick, you know. Yeah. But didn't it start out uh, as a tour? And he was in like Alabama or something yeah, I think like he, that. I think he came up from Alabama. He was on his way to. I think he was going to end in Ohio. I want to say. But didn't he hire like a college kid to drive yeah, him or something he, like that? You know, uh, Wayne Bledsoe uh, told me that he interviewed. There was actually two guys in the car with him. There was the kid, the college kid, and then I think like a family member, like a cousin or something. And uh, they, but he, yeah, he hired this kid to, to take the drive with him. And they stop off in Knoxville. I don't think he played Knoxville while he was here. But he stopped off, and there's a lot of speculation as to what happened. You know, when he when he got in the car, like yeah. was he was he was he dead or was he close to it or was he dying? You because know, he was. I think he, he ended up getting like a shot from some doctor came to the Andrew Johnson Hotel and pumped him full of some morphine, and I reckon he'd already had some in his system. So yeah. was, they just pumped. You know, and I reckon you know there's there's different people have different theories on when he could have possibly and there's all kinds of rumors and stories there's i've heard i've sure. heard stories about him playing music along the way and getting out and getting there's a movie they made about it which is kind of entertaining it's it's entertainment for sure but on the movie he gets out and gets in a fight and all this stuff and yeah they can't prove really much of that there's different theories you know right but he but, was he was going on tour wasn't he yeah. wasn't he playing around yeah and he was supposed and to he that. was one foot in the grave the whole time yeah it, was it drinking and 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 yeah, morphine and, he, more, and yeah, ether he, probably yeah he had a he had back problems he had fell off a horse too Right around the right around the time he he injured himself, he was actually walking on a cane. That's what I've heard. Really? Yeah. So the, the he was he was taking the the painkillers to keep yeah, it. Yeah, the painkillers and the alcohol and yeah, rode so, hard. Uh, how do you, how do you get yeah. that lonesome sound without it? You oh, know? I know. It was it was my dad's got this really dry sense of humor, and uh, you just got to know him for it to be funny. But when we finally get there. You know, after driving seven hours on a back winding road through West Virginia, you know, and everything, and uh, we get there, and Dad was like, "Well, he's like, I tell you what, he's like, if the drugs and alcohol didn't kill him, that drive did." Yeah. <laughs> I was like, "No joke, I bet." Yeah, there's but, speculation that he was dead when they took him out of the hotel because yeah. they carried him out apparently and yeah. just barely got him in the car, and then the driver drove through the night maybe or something like yeah. that, and and I think went they, to they, check now, on him. One thing that is true, and it was in that movie, but one thing that is true, I think they did get a speeding ticket around Rogersville or Rutledge somewhere uh, in that ballpark they start they got a speeding ticket there but uh yeah it was and it was a, i think it was it was a snowstorm back then so there's a lot going on That's, what wasn't it around new year's yeah it was what? new he was, well he was found on you know, the driver discovered him dead on new year's day oh, man he's going to do a big new year's show there man and his his son took a different different route in country oh, yeah. music absolutely yeah <laughs> and then is there's the third and then there's doesn't the he have like a granddaughter that's playing he's got music a too? let's see there's a whole bunch of them now he's got um holly williams i saw her open for jason yeah. isbel at uh at not tennessee but the, when he was at the bijou a couple of years ago um holly williams that's hank jr's daughter and there's also sam williams hank, hank jr has a son named sam and uh He's just a singer. He he's got a good voice. And then there's also Hank the Third now has a has a has a kid. He's the fourth, and I think he's calling himself just four is all he's going by. Because Why believe not? it or not, I've, I, I, look, I looked into this. There's actually a guy out there called Hank Williams the Fourth that is no relation to oh, any of them, hell. and he just took the name like as a gimmick. 
What a jerk. Yeah, he just sounds like it. You know, he's, I mean, he, okay, he, he, he would be a good impersonator, you know, okay. maybe like that. Yeah. But he took the name, and so the real fourth can't use it because this dude's Because he'll used, get messed up at Google. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm, like, I'm like, so when I first, I was like, is that him? I was like, and so no, it's, if you see if you see Hank Williams the fourth, he's no relation, but if you yeah. just see four, <laughs> Coleman Williams, Man, I think his name is. Yeah. He needs to call LifeLock and get his identity back. I know. I, you know it was so funny because, like, I was um, talking to a guy that uh, knows Hank the Third, and I asked him, I said, man, how do they feel about that? And he was like, well, I, he was, none of them like it, but they just kind of don't talk about him because they don't want to give him no publicity. There you so go. they just kind of don't, when it comes up, they don't really even mention him. But Who is that kid? I would be that, different. I would kind of be raising hell about it. But wait a minute. No, that's my granddaddy. Yeah, but yeah. Then, then it shows you care, and then there's yeah. a whole vulnerability exactly. thing that comes in. Exactly. And you get, yeah. yeah. Who is that kid that uh, got famous for, he's like, nine years old for singing Hank Williams songs oh, at God. Walmart. <laughs> yeah. I can't remember that kid's Mason name. Mason something or, yeah. uh, you remember Sam Mason <laughs> yeah. something? Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. He was singing like Jambalaya and stuff at a Walmart. Yeah. <laughs> went viral like <laughs> yeah. that. And then he started, he took his 15 minutes and started touring Walmarts yeah. all over the U S with his belt there, buckle. There you go. Yeah. Singing low. <laughs> doing that whole gag. Was, oh yeah. It was great. Uh, yeah. So we we were into wrestling around the same time, man. Yeah, you're, cool. you're a couple years older than me, not by much, but yeah. I, uh, man, the uh, that was all there was in in the nineties, dude. Oh, Monday, Monday, was, Monday night, Monday night, we raw. had WCW, you and had, had Nitro and Raw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nitro and Raw, w, WCW, WWF. Yeah, and, uh, and you had ECW. You had yeah, which was like barbed wire, yeah, barbed wire, thumbtacks, yeah, t- burning tables and ladders. And yeah, is that was that more your jam, or were you more no, of a I, WCW? There's was, somewhere from the WCW continuum to the or the yeah. You know, I was more old school. I kind of believe it. Or not, I liked the originally. It was like the NWA back in the '80s. You had like Dusty Rhodes and Ric Flair and Ricky Steamboat and all those guys, and then it yeah. morphed into WCW. And I always kind of that was my brand, really. Uh, yeah, me too. Years, years later, I kind of switched over. To WWF once Stone Cold and The Rock started feuding, that yeah. that, that made me kind of turn the channel. That was super fun, but that was a lot of fun. Well, but. WCW had like you remember when the NWO came, oh, yeah. and then the Wolfpack and the all Wolfpack, that, yeah. and it was you know it was a little much, but but yeah. still, I was I was a WCW guy too. too. I had an NWO shirt with the I red did. the red NWO shirt with the I had Wolfpack. the black and white one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I got the red one. I was a Wolfpack guy. Okay, cool. Viva La Rasa, baby. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's great. It's funny we're talking about this because I, uh, I had Josh Smith from Handsome and the Humbles. I had him yeah. on uh, a serious honk my radio show one night, and uh, we started talking about wrestling, man. And all of a sudden, like, we look down. We've been talking for like 30 minutes. And I was like, well, I guess we're going to start up a new show called Real Knoxville Wrestling because yeah. we're, we're, you get me on that subject, we can stay there. <laughs> well, Terry Landell had uh, Wrestle Talk. Do you remember yeah, that? Yeah, I do. The, his mm-hmm. public access basement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I haven't watched that in years. Yeah. I wonder if he still does it. It's, it's probably on sure. YouTube. I'm not sure. I think it, if it's anywhere, it's on YouTube. Yeah, I used to watch that. If you come on television, you'd sit and watch it on the, I can't remember what channel that was on, but yeah. <laughs> I always like. I always got a kick out of the people that would call in that took it dead serious and they yeah. were mad at him. And yeah, you know. my brother's a big wrestling guy. Yeah, it's it's different now. WWF's it's pretty much the only game now. in town, right? Yeah, pretty much. But people, I mean, it's like the Super Bowl for some like uh, yeah, WrestleMania I mean, and all that. St- to this day, it still fills up stadiums. And people know it's fake, right? Yeah. Or they well, they I mean. It. Maybe the punches don't hurt as much. They know as, it's a, they know it's choreographed <laughs> at least and. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but they, they, you know, it's funny. They still fill up or they fill up stadiums today. Yeah, but jump off the top of a cage and and land on somebody and put oh, them through yeah. a folding table and tell me that's fake. Oh, I know. I mean, it's <laughs> they're you know they're definitely you know uh, 
They do their own stunts. You got to hand them that. Me and my dad used to have that argument. My dad hated it when I'd watch it growing up. Like, turn hey, off that trash. Turn it off. It's fake and all this yeah. stuff. And, but th- at the same token, my dad would show me old John Wayne and Clint Eastwood movies. He'd like, hey, check this out now. Clint Eastwood's a badass right here. Watch this. Yeah. And I'm like, well, dad, he actually didn't fall off that balcony. That yeah. really that's, wasn't him. Yeah, that's that was not a, even him. <laughs> that's not even him. We would have that. I'd be like, now, Mick Foley, he took that bump. You yeah. Know, like He's missing a tooth, man. <laughs> yeah. So we used to, me and my dad used to have some classic arguments over the whole wrestling, ver- you know, versus it was just because I, I thought it was funny. I was like, okay if you want to show me like a, a cage fighter or somebody that's fine but he would show me like an old gun smoke episode watch this fight right here and i'm like well dad that's stage two it's television <laughs> man television. come on give me a break <laughs> yeah. but he, he would always walk in and catch me watching wrestling and the one thing that used to drive my dad nuts is when like you know a guy goes to the top rope takes him a while to get there and then dives off on a dude or yeah dad'd be like now why is he laying there waiting on him I'm like why, <laughs> why why ain't he getting up or or when they would run and jump for the military press in their arms like now if a guy tried to grab me like that and he would be sitting over in my ear the whole time if a guy tried to pick him up, I'd punch him in the face. I wouldn't let him get me up over exactly. his head. Like, <laughs> I'm like, Dad, I know what it is. I'm just, I'm just watching. Well, and you got to admit, like those guys doing the aerial stuff, the like Ray Mysterio oh, juniors yeah. doing backflips off yeah, the top or jumping and put landing on somebody's face with their with their legs and yeah. and then flipping between their legs and flipping them over. Like one that. false move and they're in a wheelchair for the rest of their life. Yeah. You know, it's a dangerous stunt for sure. I mean, it's and it's 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 fun to watch in person. You know, to see them pull it off and. uh the, the timing that the good, the ones that are good at it, the timing they have, you know, m- matters because if, like I said, yeah. if you're standing in the wrong spot and he comes off that flip and you're not where you're supposed to be, it could, it could go wrong. That's why you got these backyard wrestling channels on YouTube. It's a good thing that stuff didn't exist. YouTube wasn't around when I was a kid. Oh, we'd all be dead. We'd all be dead. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I went to a, a WCW event at Thompson Bowling Arena when I was in seventh grade. Oh, and, that's awesome. Mm-hmm, Bill Goldberg was, was, wow. was going. Yeah. And, uh. And he was I, on fire back then. Oh, he, he was, was like he was over. I ended up getting on the news. They interviewed me to go on the news wow. that night. Yeah, that's and, awesome. Uh, and I watched it when I got home, and I was like, "He's the best. He's seventy-two and zero, and nobody beat him." <laughs> I was like, "Man, I sound like such an that's, idiot." That's great. Yeah. That is awesome. So, so you had to give up the the wrestling dream yeah. to 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 start playing music, and mm-hmm. it just it just started there and you, it just you forgot went, all about it yeah i did it just kind of went from there and it was one of those things like once i got good enough to you know learned a few licks and a few intros to a few songs where you kind of show somebody hey i'm playing then next thing you know i'm i start going well who plays other in, who else plays guitar and who ah. then it's like oh well, well you have to have a bass player we have to have a drummer and it just starts that you know you switch over now instead of looking for somebody that'll let you power bomb them off a trampoline. Now you're trying to find somebody that'll play bass, <laughs> <laughs> which is about the same. It's almost the same yeah, thing. Yeah. Same. So you, you just kind of, you know, all of a sudden I'm trying to put garage bands together and it just, I, I don't know. It's just one of those things. I, I never looked back and I never, yeah, it's just, it's just what I wanted to do and started doing it and I'm still doing it. And, I don't know. It just kind of become part of me. Yeah. You know. Did you uh, start playing out when you were that? When you were in a, a I was, teenager? Did I was you? nineteen when I finally played out for the okay. first time. What'd was, you What'd you do out of high school? Um, well, I I just worked a bunch of different jobs, place to place. You know, uh, worked in a furniture. Worked in a Walmart was my first job ever. Really? Which worked one? Middlesbrough. Middlesbrough. Third shift. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize that, like, I, and, and you you correct me if I'm wrong, but like, isn't the fastest way to get to Middlesbrough from here is just to get on Broadway and go? Yeah. Just head straight up Broadway. And yeah, go through uh, go through uh, Union County. Yeah, you'll go through Maynardville and then on into Tazewell and right on over into. And it's not that far. It's like an hour, right? Yeah, yeah, Maybe. it's not far. And you can and you can also, uh, you know, that you can also go up up seventy five and get off on the 
Carlville of Follett exit and go up mm. Powell Valley. It's almost, yeah. it's a little bit longer maybe, but sometimes depending on road construction and things like that. Yeah. Depends on the time of the day. Like there's times where, you know, if it's, if, if traffic's bad on Broadway and it's kind of that time of day, well, I may take the other route just to yeah. cruise up the interstate. So you can really, and then going from like Cumberland Gap down Powell Valley, it's just a one, and it's, I drove that road a lot playing music because we would play a lot of gigs like in Jellicoe and different towns back then and just go down that road and it's just a straight shot. Wow. The, uh, what's the liquor store up there? Um, God, Pappy's? Pappy's, yeah. Yeah. There's Pappy's and there's Boone's BP right there side by side. I, don't, I think. I think Pappy's is still in business, or it might have went out. Uh, I think it might have went out and came back as something else, but I can't remember. Do they have liquor by the drink up there? Uh, well, let's see. Middlesbro does now. Okay. Yeah. Because I remember, like, uh, I remember a bunch of people coming down to Bubba's Brews. Yeah. Because it was, and it was, you know, it's on Norris Lake in yeah. Union County, maybe. It's Union County, yeah. yeah. But it's like the closest place to get a drink. Mm -hmm. It was. <laughs> you know, that's the thing. You know, grow up in a dry county, and it's just now starting to open up. And uh, you know, when Middlesbrough, that was a big deal. Like it was such a fight over the oh, over, sure. you know, over the whole thing. You know, and and but it's it's happened, and you know, it's uh, that part of Kentucky's opening up, and they got a good music scene going on up that way. So it it all worked out. But I just remember, you know, back when I. You know, when I very first started playing music to to play, uh, where I lived at back then, you had bars like you had the, the Sundowner, the Mustang, and like uh, the CRS. They all had uh, house bands in them. That was like the mm, thing back then. Wow. So a band would play every Friday and Saturday night. So there wasn't really nowhere if you was in a band, you had to go out. You know, for me, you know, I might get a gig every now and then at a VFW or an American Legion, something like that. Yeah. But then uh, I'd go out and just start driving the back roads and finding some little watering hole somewhere and be like, Hey, can I play here? Really? Yeah. And I just, I did that forever, you know, and then, then years later, you know, those places kind of shuffled some stuff around. I ended up playing them once those bands kind of, you know, done their thing and, and broke up and, you know, things like that. But for me, I, I, I really just, I wanted to hit the backwoods places. I, w I really wanted to play the dive bars. I just, I, and I, there was something about them like the, the the ones that my mom was scared for me to go in yeah i was like i want to go in there and, and and i don't know i just kind of become hooked on it for a long time uh because those people don't lie like they'll if you suck they'll let you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> and so they're 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 a they're a tough critic but they're it's a good place to cut your teeth yeah uh, it's kind of died out now that that's that scene's kind of you know faded away but did you tell a story about playing at jimmy's with Mike McGill, or did somebody else tell that story? Yeah, well, I did. I, I, I mean, I think we told that story at the Christmas show. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, when I first uh, came to Knoxville back in 2012, and I lived here up till about 2015, 16, maybe early 16 is when I moved back home. But um, yeah, I, I, I came down and uh, met up with Mike, and uh, he heard he heard a song of mine online, and and then asked Wayne Bledsoe who I was, and hmm. Wayne gave him my number because I, I it's 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 a funny story because I. Um, while I was up there in that part of the world playing, uh, I had a band called the Real Billies, mm. and uh, we played all over the place, uh, you know. And then one day, we, we back then we didn't have like album release parties or nothing like that. We just made some music and just took it to our gig and said, "Hey, we got a CD here." You know, yeah. there's no no official kind of thing. Right. So we had pumped out some CDs, you know, just you know random songs we'd written, and somehow. They got into the hands of Wayne Bledsoe, like just like by friend by friend by friend, you know, just kind of passing it around. <laughs> a game of telephone. Yeah, and one day, um, the bass player's sister just for the hell of it just googled the real Billy to see if anyone had ever said anything about us or see if anyone said. And 
lo and behold, uh, Wayne Bledsoe had written an article about us, which, really? at th- yeah, which at this point was like a year old by the time we see it. We're going, wow, we got wrote about in the New Sentinel. We had no idea. And he, he, you know, he really put us over and made us, I was like, wow, I can't, you know, it kind of made us all look at each other and go, dang, maybe we do have something. I yeah, don't know. If this guy thinks this that guy about thinks us. It, yeah. It's like, wow. So. Isn't that funny how that's sometimes all it takes is somebody else, yeah, you know, realizing it, it that you got it, something. It kind of lit a fire under me, especially more so than others. It just kind of lit this fire to go, dang, you know, if he's putting over the original music like this. So when I ended up moving to Knoxville in 2012, I reached out to him, told him who I was like, Hey, you wrote an article about me a couple of years ago. And I just wanted to say, thanks. And he invited me on the all over the road show and um introduced me to like the first time i played that i had greg horn on there with me and jay clark and wow. and then he just starts introducing me around so then mike mcgill heard my song and says to wayne who's that guy and wayne's like well he's a new guy here in town and then mike calls me up one day and he's like and i didn't even know who he was he just calls me up, i was like hey i'm mike mcgill I, I play around knoxville and just wanted to welcome you to town if you ever need anything holler and i was like well that's pretty cool and he's like i play down at jimmy's every thursday he's like come down you know bring your guitar and get up and sing i want if you want to and i was like well, this guy seems pretty cool. And so, you know, I went down there and on Thursdays and I, I loved that little place. That was, it was kind of, it was a good place for me to start in Knoxville because i came from bars like that. Yeah. Little, you know, those little drinking dives, you know, I think I only went to Jimmy's once and it, I was living in Fountain City and, uh, <laughs> me and my buddy were both living in Fountain City and we were looking for a place to get a beer. We threatened to go to Jimmy's forever, but we were like, that seems like a really like divey, regular bar, like a place yeah. where you don't go in there unless you know somebody, <laughs> Yeah, you know? And so we go in there after work one day, it's probably five o'clock and it's clear. Everybody in there knows each other. They're yeah. all talking, they're shooting the shit. They're giving each other a hard time. Yeah. And me and my buddy, you know, look, you know, probably fresh out of a J crew catalog walking into that <laughs> smoky bar and we sit down next to this guy and he just looks over at us and he goes, you boys together? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh my, we're going to get killed is <laughs> yeah. what I, is what I thought. Yeah. And I was like, I gotta, I gotta buck up on this dude or he's yeah. going to just beat us up. Yeah. And I was like, no man, we don't swing that way. Are you interested? <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Why are you interested? And he's yeah. like, buddy, I'm a redneck. And then he goes, <laughs> Maybe if you was a goat, and then st- <laughs> high five just started laughing his ass off. Dude. I we could see died, that and it was then we felt like we were regulars yeah. at that point. We had such a good time. That, that's kind of how it goes. Like I said earlier, they, they could be critics. You do kind of have to buck up a little bit, and and and, you know, and just kind of be tough and let it roll off of you. Uh, but yeah, I, I would walk in those places growing up, and uh, there would always be those kind of moments. I, yeah. I had a, do- a dozen moments like that. What are you doing in here, boy? You know, yeah. like, like oh, this is-. and you know. Um, you would kind of get, especially playing a lot of the places I played back in the day, you would kind of get grilled. The first time you went in, they'd be like, where are you boys from? You know, they wouldn't know all yeah. about you. you know, yeah. And, stuff. and hey. I've played in some some funny ones. There was one time, there was this old guy who used to come to my shows named Ron. I ended up writing a song about him. And, uh, nice. Um, he was a real, he's this old guy, cool as could be. And he used to tell me about this little watering hole. I think the place was like, it was between Clarefield and Jellicoe, Tennessee, in this little community called like White Pine or White Oak. I can't remember what it was called exactly. But the name, when he said the name of the place, you just know, he's like, he's like, you ought to come over and play for me at this place called Joe Don's. I was like, Joe Don's, that just sounds like a redneck yeah. hole, you know? And he's like, now he said, come pick. So he books me in to play at this place. And he told me, he said, just come by, give me directions to his house. He said, come by at the time I was living in Williamsburg, Kentucky. So I just drove down to Jellico and picked him up. It's me and him. And he's like, now you can't take your whole band. There ain't enough room for you in the band. But he said, just bring your guitar and maybe an amplifier. I was like, <laughs> okay. So we get in my van. And man, we start back in the woods and all of a sudden it's like I'm on a four wheeler trail. 
And I'm really? going, I'm like, dude, I don't know if this van, you know, those things are lightweight in the back. I mean, I had some equipment in there, but still those, those things yeah. aren't mountainous. And I was like, oh man, he said, oh, he said, it'll be all right. So we get up there and man, the people came in on four wheelers, like the, the crowd did. They rode in on four wheelers and stuff. And the, the, the bar wasn't no bigger than the room we're sitting in. Really? It was so tiny. The majority of the people were outside with a, like a campfire built up, hanging out out there. Awesome. I was like, I can't, you know, I was like, I can't, you know, really fit my uh, PA in here. I ended up bringing like maybe a monitor. And I set it like on the bar, and believe it or not, I there wasn't enough room for me to play. So I literally sat on the bar with my feet in a chair, and just me and my guitar with a microphone stand up like this, and the people outside could hear me. They tipped me like my bucket was overflowing, but then the not. But what happened was about halfway, I might have played five or six songs, and all of a sudden I play a Hank Williams Jr. song, and the guy goes, "Hey, yeah, I've been playing another. You know this one? Well, it just so happens going back to learning Hank Senior, I know Junior too. So yeah. I was like, if you want to hear Hank Senior or Junior, I got you." And I played the whole Hank Jr. and then on in the Hank Sr. catalog. I went like probably three or four hours just playing to these guys. And they got, and the more I played, the more I, I just played the box set. They just kept <laughs> dropping the money in the jar. And I just like, okay. You're their personal jukebox. I made box. more of the tip jar. Yeah, I made more of the tip jar than they paid me, you know. Yeah. And, then, and it was, but it's, you know, those little places like that, you just kind of, yeah, it's, that's where you really learn your crowd and you learn how to read people. You learn how to look around the room and. Yeah. And you could, you know, like I said, you're always going to, and they're always going to kind of size you up at some point. Where are you from? What are you doing here? You know, yeah. kind of thing. Joe Don's out Joe in the Don's woods. out in the woods. Yeah. Uh, McGill told me this story. He said, you know, playing at Jimmy's one night, if, you know, it gets a tough crowd or whatever, it's like, well, y'all got you know, to put anything in the tip jar. He's like, I could be out robbing your house right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah. One of the funniest stories, I've told this story before, and uh, my good buddy, Poe Hanna, uh, plays guitar with me now. He loves it. But one night, we were going to Jellicoe to play in this little dive bar there. And uh, on the way there, the drummer, just he just looks out of nowhere. It's just like random conversation. He goes, hey, he goes, you know what? He's like, I Googled Jellicoe today. I was kind of studying up on the town, and I know where the name Jellicoe come from. And I said, really? And he tells us a story about where it comes from, and we're like, okay, cool. You know, that's cool. We're just making conversation on that drive, you know? Yeah. So we get there, we get set up, we're playing. And midways through the first set, I break a string. And I was like, oh, crap. So I was like, uh, hold on one second, guys. Let me grab my backup here. And I, I set my guitar down, and my, my backup guitar was in a case. So I had to run over and grab it real quick. Well, while I'm while I'm getting my other guitar out of the case, the drummer takes it upon himself to talk to the crowd while I'm you know, doing that. And he goes, hey, how are you guys doing tonight? And they're like, yeah, good. And he goes, uh, he goes uh, hey, he goes, do you guys know where, the, your, where your city got its name from? This old drunk man shooting pool stops what he's doing. He walks up on the dance floor. He goes, yeah, I know where it come from. And he tells off the story. And this drummer looks at him with a straight face. He goes, no, you're wrong. Oh, no. And I was like, I was like, don't say that. And my mind's like, don't do that. And the guy goes, what'd you say? He goes, no, actually. And before he can get it finished, the guy goes, boy, I know where Jellicoe come from. I've lived here all my life. I'll beat your ass back to Tazewell. And I was like, uh, I was like, hey, we, wherever you say Jellicoe come from, buddy, we believe you. Okay. I was like, we got, we, it's okay. I was like, shut the hell up, you know? And he's back there going, well, that's not where it come from. Like, Don't say <laughs> no. Shut up. I said, just shut up. You're going to get a pool stick broke over your head. And so, uh, yeah, and that's become like a running joke now between me and Poe. Once I told that story, he's like, Brandon, I'm going to beat your ass back to Tazewell. This oh, has become funny. one of those things. Dude, Pohanna is another guy that like I didn't know a lot about. And I've kind of been like, uh, again, the frequency illusion thing. Yeah. Like, people sort of mentioning him here and there. Apparently his dad is a- His dad was a writer, a, yeah. Like a really famous really, writer. Yeah. From great. Mississippi, maybe? From Mississippi, yeah. I was talking to a friend of mine about him earlier today. He's, And I got in, you know, I hadn't read his books. I didn't- 
uh, I had heard that name, but I never linked the two together. Barry Hannah. Barry Hannah, yeah. yeah. And um, I had heard the name Barry Hannah, but then when I met, you know, Barry Poe Hannah, everybody just called him Poe, and I kind of didn't think about it until yeah. one day Greg Horn was like, hey, have you ever read any of Poe's dad's books? And I was like, no, who's his dad? He's like, well, Barry Hannah. And then I was like, well, wait. I was like, wow, okay. I didn't realize it was the same person. So, you know, I went out and you can find some from time to time at McKay's. I've got a couple of them at home. And uh, I actually stumbled across one one day um, that was autographed by him. Wow. And it, it was with an ink pen. When I turned the page over, I realized that you could feel the indention of the pen. So I screenshotted it and sent it to Poe. I was like, man, is this really his signature? He said, it looks real to me. Like, yeah. That's awesome. It was pretty cool. But yeah, Poe's another guy that, you know, he plays with about everybody around town. You'll see him a lot. You'll see him playing with McGill. You'll see him playing with Kevin Abernathy. Um, I'm shocked at how his, he can shred that thing. Oh, yes. man. In any style, too. He's got the band, the Los Leslies. They do kind of all instrumental yeah. music. and. So he's all over the place, and it, that's one thing I love about the Knoxville scene is it's it's really eclectic, and there's a, there's a good group of people here. And a lot of times, you know, um, everybody will kind of play with everybody else. You know, you'll see people yeah. you'll see people like Greg Horn I mentioned earlier. He's played on my albums, and he's. I remember one year it was back 2016 when I put out Dark Side of the Mountain. I remember that year there was a bunch of good albums came out that year, and I remember looking like Steve Wildsmith made like a top 25 for East Tennessee in the Maryville Daily Times, and. I look at it and I was like, well, dang, I was like, Poe's played on like five of these and Greg's played wow. on five or six of these. And this guy over here's played drums on most of these. So it's, it's pretty cool. You know, the community is. And Poe Hanna was, uh, shredding that baritone guitar too. At, yeah. At the spectacular Sam said he had one of those. You got one of those, Sam? I do. Yeah. 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 He, he got, uh, John Baker's got a baritone at the, at the studio, Arbor studio. And, uh, I love the sound of those. I ended up buying me an acoustic baritone, and it was oh know, nice. So yeah. it's it's uh, somewhere in between uh, a conventional guitar and a bass. Yeah, you're I'm, now I'm terrible with my technicalities. I don't with I, your theory. I, with my theory, I'm I'm horrible <laughs> at it. Uh, I know, like I, I I'm one of those people like, hey, it's right here's the Keith Richards chord, man. I don't know what it is, <laughs> but I just seen Keith Richards make it. Or this is a Dickie Betts lick. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know technically what it's called, but basically your top string is a. It's, it's you can still chord it just like you would a regular guitar uh -huh. in, in standard tuning. But now your top string is a B. Okay. And your next string down's E, and then A, and then you know you, as you work your way down. So if you make a G chord on a baritone. To, in that tuning now you're in the key of d okay so you just kind of got to learn so it's like, like three steps up or something like yeah that so you just kind of got you just kind of got to learn where you're like okay down I'm, yeah yeah down <laughs> sorry <laughs> yeah like now i'm in the key of d so but it, it you know for me i it, it I, I keep i got a i got a couple of guitars at the house and every one of them's in a different tuning because i like to it, it inspires me to write differently you know yeah. if you have to have the same guitar in standard tuning you me i have i've got one an open g a baritone Dude. Okay, so we were at the Christmas Spectacular, and I turned to Sam, and I was like, hey, man, how come Brandon's Capo 5 and McGill's Capo 3? Well, I'll tell you why. Okay. <laughs> I, I, that that particular guitar, I'm glad you noticed that. I did, that, from the balcony. That, that's awesome, man. That's great. <laughs> uh, now, now, I threw people off bad with that. The reason yeah, is- Yeah, threw me off. I was like, yeah. it sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> well, what's funny is- uh, Sam did a really shitty job explaining why, too. I got to tell you. Well, what it was, I love the drive-by truckers, okay. and they their music is all tuned down a whole step. Okay. So- I keep that guitar tuned down a whole step, and ah. then I put the capo on the second fret to bring me back to standard tuning. Okay, gotcha. So now if that song was in B flat, so I've got to move it up three. So now on the fifth fret, if I was in yeah. standard tuning, I'd be on the third fret. Yeah. 
So yeah, and, and, and there's been times where I've had to, I've, I've walked in with a capo on, and they think they'll, they'll see me make a G chord, and like they'll think I'm an A. I'm like, no, wait, now this guitar, if I'm I'm a standard tuner, if the capo's on a second fret. Yeah, I feel like you got to <laughs> disclose that, you know, yeah. it, to your boys when you walk in. Yeah, you have to. It's 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 went south on me before. Yeah, yeah. I bet. Uh, so Patterson Hood is is yeah. that the drive by truckers dude, right? Yeah, the lead guitar player. Well, there's two of them. There's Cooley and Hood. They're both both songwriters. That's where Isbel, Jason Isbel, started off. Oh, that's right. I yeah. forgot about that. That guy is just about as good as it comes, huh? He is, man. That, yeah. He really is. I remember when he first left the Truckers, I was a huge fan then. And I hated to see him go, but I just, you know, I was really, Cooley was my favorite. And I was like, well, you know, I was like, it will be okay. You know, the Truckers will be yeah. all right. We still got Cooley. And and he went off, you know, Isbel did, and made, made an album or two. And I remember thinking, oh, that's pretty good. But I think when he first left the Truckers, I was guilty of whatever he put out. I was kind of guilty of saying to myself, what would that sound like as a Truckers song? Yeah. What would they have done with it? Yeah. And then he comes out with that album, Here We Rest. It was, uh, it comes out, and I was like, well, that's really good. And then he puts out Southeastern, and it's just like, damn, yeah. he's he's just shot to the moon. He's done really well for himself. Sure has. Yeah. Uh, but Patterson Hood, does he have a low voice? Is that why he tunes it down? His, uh, no, his voice is more high. He's, I, I've heard, uh, now Cooley's got the lower tone voice, but I've okay. heard him say, really, they just did it to be different. Really? You know? And they and they said that I heard him in an interview say that originally Leonard Skinner did it really uh, uh, at first until they went to Muscle Shoals and his dad and uh, was David Hood out of the Muscle Shoals rhythm section and Jimmy Johnson and those guys they was like you guys got to tune up getting standard tuning because you y'all sound out of tune with each other you know and so and I, so he said it was my dad that he said that when he first started doing the whole dropping down a whole step that it drove his dad crazy like why are you guys doing that. But I just, you know, when, when I got into their music and started trying to learn some of their songs, I was going, I can't figure out what they're doing. So I ended up tuning down. And then, like I said earlier, it's, it's, I've got acoustic at home and standard tuning. I got that one and dropped down a whole step. Then I got the baritone. Then I got an electric and open G. And I just kind of grab a different guitar every time because it'll kind of take me in a different that way. You know, it seems like you, you might be playing a song in the same key using the same three chords you've always used, but it just gives you a different tonal quality and you end yeah. up going in a different direction. So, you said you moved to Knoxville in 2012. Yeah. So you were already playing music up in Middlesbrough in that yeah. area. Why'd you move to town? Well, just to just to get into a scene because everything was everything was drying up around there. A lot, just, like I said, a lot of the bars were starting to close down, mm-hmm. and you know, it just it was like it was just a. I felt like I'd done that long enough playing the backwoods dive bars. I thought you know it's time to to try to find myself into a music scene, and I had a buddy. Uh, lived down here and he had told me forever to get down here he's like come to knoxville man and i was like i don't know you know i don't, I don't know what that'd be like and uh then one day i just finally i was like i got to go somewhere and uh just kind of took him up on it and i was like well knoxville's not far i'll go there and you know it just it, it feels like my home away from home i'm here all the time recording and playing and you know and then on the way up my drive uh, i'm a podcast junkie so uh Thanks for having me on here because I'll be, you know, I've listened to yours on the way back home. I'll throw a podcast on and listen to them. So, oh, good. That's yeah. a good time to do it in the car. Yeah. I'm a, I listen to about everything. I've got different things I listen to. I'll sit and listen to, you know, um, stuff about current events and all these things and then, and the, all these different things. And then I'll go back, uh, once I fill my head full of that and I go, man, the world's going to come to an end. Yeah. <laughs> then I go back and I'll find an old wrestling podcast and listen oh, to them nice. talk about their stuff. So <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I, I'm not looking forward to the day that I don't drive as much because I don't know when I'm going to listen to podcasts. If exactly. I, if uh, I don't. Yeah. That's, that's one thing for me. There's times like when the, when I kind of slowed down, you know, on taking the trips, I've, I've been like, well, now we're going to listen to the podcast ad. I've, you know, yeah. 
because it's for me it's when i'm driving i've had a, a buddy of mine was like i couldn't listen to it while i drive i'd have to concentrate i'm like no it, come me, on man you, know, on, yeah. you, you do all kinds it. of stuff while you drive exactly. all the time you're sitting there fighting with the kids and you, fighting you know doing everything i've it's seen like, you text while you're driving <laughs> yeah. you know you can listen to you a podcast pay attention yeah yeah it makes the driving experience a lot easier have you got uh have you gotten into the like true crime podcast? Oh yeah, that a bunch stuff's of them. huge, man. There's yeah. so many of them that are enormous. They are, and and there's some good ones out there. Um, you know, I just uh, I, I now I'm I'm really bad for that. I, I'm almost uh, I'll fall down into a well of list. You know, going back and and listening to ones about Charles Manson and Ted oh, Bundy and see, all that that's stuff. Fun. Like I've yeah. gotten to the point where I've I've started to listen to uh, like obscure stuff. I, I, mm-hmm. I don't listen to a lot of true crime podcasts, but I'll go and I'll like find something that I've never heard of before and listen yeah. to like this random thing that happened. But dude, it started to freak me out. It, it made does. me paranoid. That's, that's what I said. I'm I, like, oh, everybody's trying to kill me and my entire family. Yeah. Or if my family dies, I'm definitely going to jail. I'm trying to think of what the one is called. There's one here in town. It's from, I think, W-A-T-E. It's a... Uh, Oh man, I've got it. I know I've got it somewhere on my phone, but it's it's about stories that happened around here. They had one about mm. the zoo man dude that was yeah. killing people and burning them at the zoo and all that. Yeah. Uh, I can't think of the name of that one off the top of my head, but um, it's really good. And 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 then all of a sudden you're going, wow, that happened right down the road. There was one about you know a murder in Maynardville and you know murder right around this part yeah. of the world. And it, it, it's Appalachian unsolved. I think is what it's ah, called. Because it, it's good. What it is? I'd listen to that. What it is? These these are cases that are still cold. They're cases they, they still ah. they never found the killer, and so. Um, I listen to a lot of those, and uh, and like you said, then 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 you go, dang, everybody's out to get me, and then you, I'll just go back and listen to something. Listen <laughs> I got to some it. uplifting stuff. Yeah. I'm gonna listen to the news again. <laughs> yeah. Get, me to yeah, get exactly. out of this funk. <laughs> That's how bad it is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no joke. Uh, so were the real Billies still together when you came to Knoxville? No, that was kind of we. That's kind of when we ended and okay. uh, kind of disbanded. We had we had become the house band at a place up there, at, they, and uh, they kind of sucked us into that, and we became that, and then. The members just kind of started dropping off, and all of a sudden, it was like me and one other guy, and it come down to like, okay, it's time to go. And, yeah, and we left. You know, it ended. We're we're all still good friends. I still the guitar player still from time to time will sit in, fill in, play with me, and we're good. All still good buddies, but uh, yeah, it was just you know this that 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 band pretty much ended. Then I, I kept the name around uh, because I had used it name. for so long, and I've been working on a new project. Uh, I'm going to start. Uh, I'm working on it for this year. I always. I would kind of, I would catch myself, especially too, when I would go out and play, especially if I went back home or went anywhere near that part of the world. Well, people would just see me and automatically go, there's the real Billy's. They just would think that's who it was. Yeah. So I would, sometimes I would just introduce myself as that. And, but then I started working on a new project. I'm hoping to get out in the spring or summer. Uh, I'm calling it Brando's Real Billy Review. And it's going to kind of be, it's going to kind of be like a, um, like a satirical, uh, satirical kind of song and dance. I want to make it more of a show, like more of a, uh, kind of hillbilly dark side of the moon if there's such a thing <laughs> well so you are know. you going to cover your old real bill real billy song? yeah some of the songs i've, I've held I've, I've held uh you know some of the songs i brought with me and ended okay. up on solo albums you know because i wrote all the songs me and the bass player wrote a bunch together and then i wrote a bunch you know wrote most of them myself uh so you know there's songs on some of my solo albums that were real billy songs gotcha. once upon a time but i just kind of brought them with me yeah they're yours yeah <laughs> speaking of dark side of the moon uh dark side of the mountain sounds like an awesome name for an album yeah, it was is an awesome it name was for an album. yeah it was that's what i called the one i made in 2016 and back then i was kind of going in that direction of i, I kind of wanted you know that album of mine starts off with a preacher talking at the front of it you know yeah. and I, I, i've kind of got some moments in the album where I, it's i wanted to kind of invoke that and it's funny how that happened uh i was on the way to the studio and i kept going have you ever heard um uh, you know like on sturgill simpson's uh 
is it meta modern? Yeah, where it starts off, you know, that guy yeah. talking at the very beginning, meta yeah, modern sounds and country or something like that. Yeah, I thought it needs something like that to kick it off with. And uh, was meta modern out by then? I think it was. I, th- yeah. I think it had just come out. And I remember thinking, I was like, you know, I was like, it needs something. And I remember McGill in the Romeos, they had that amber light with Bill yeah. Alexander doing that at the beginning. I was like, this album needs something like that. And I thought it needs a preacher because I, I had a, I had a couple of songs that was about one and, and and different things. I was like, it needs a preacher talking, and it was like a man. I was coming down on a Sunday to Knoxville, and I turned on a gospel station. And there was just this fire breathing guy going at it, you know. And I was like, that's the voice I need. I don't even know who this guy is. If he ever hears it and wants to royalties, you know, yeah, I, I guess I'll just have to deal with it then. But I just I literally just held my cell phone out, I cranked it up real loud, and held my cell phone out like this and just recorded him I talking. Love it, and it was what he said was like perfect with the story i was like this is what i need yeah. and so when i got to the studio i told john baker i said hey man i said i was coming down through here and i said i just recorded this preacher talking can we morph this onto the album and we made we made it work i love it and i don't even like i said i don't even know who the guy was because i at the end of the show it they was like you've been listening to whatever gospel hour but they never said the guy's name and i was like well who was that and i never heard him again but he had the perfect voice for what i was going for <laughs> well and you could have looked for years and never found it yeah and you could have worked way too hard to never find the perfect thing yeah but, but you you holding yeah. your phone up and pressing record was perfect it was perfect sure. because i had even went so far as to think well maybe i could write something down myself and then maybe maybe do an impression or maybe get somebody else to say it I, I, in a preacher style voice I, I i had that idea but it was one of those things i just fell into and you know um uh it just starts off you know he's like life is like a vapor and once it's gone it's gone you know <laughs> you ain't promised tomorrow or whatever and i was like man that's perfect that's just what I'm, that's what i was trying to get it just one of those accidents you know happy accidents you have it and like oh yeah you know it's perfect <laughs> yeah when when i heard the name of the album i thought it was gonna you know dark side of the mountain i thought it was gonna be like uh if thou dust eat thou meat, thou can't have any pudding. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, but I, I've kind of I've had that idea in the back of my head for a long time, and that's kind of what I'm working on at the moment. Is just I've got a I've been working on some songs at John Baker's and getting this album together, and it's I just kind of want to try to make more of a show that could you know kind of be done more of like in a listening room type environment. Yeah. You know, more just just have more of a because I've always over the years I've just kind of been off the cuff winging it every step of the way and uh i've kind of always wanted to sit back and just kind of create a like a like a theme around a show yeah you know things like that so well, hopefully what are, what are some of your favorite rooms to play in town oh man i, I uh, the open chord's got a great stage that's what i hear man my yeah. buddy sammy works over there and uh does a lot of the booking yeah and- we did the album release for dark side there and uh and man it was good um you know I, i've played barley's press pub all of my I, there's really there's played so the many yeah, play the Bijou finally. And I'll, I'll tell you a funny story about that, man. I was so nervous because I was like, you know, it ain't like if you're if you're in a bar and you're playing, somebody calls you up, whatever. But this is, I was like, man, I'm under a microscope now, you know. Well, and you had a month two to think about it. Yeah, and, I know. <laughs> Play so, out all the situations that can go wrong. Yeah, and what's funny, during the sound check, I forgot the words to my song during the sound check. And I was, and I, just for a brief second, I was like, uh, what was that word? And then I came in. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to mess up my own song. I bet I went backstage after that was over and I bet I, and I sung that verse in my head a hundred times trying yeah. to get it like, oh, don't, don't forget it. And then I told McGill, I was like, man, I am nervous. I was like, I've never been on a stage like this before. And he was like, now listen, he's like, just picture we're at Barley's or we're at Jimmy's, okay? So we're just he said we're just on a different stage but it's the same show he's like 
don't worry. When you get out there, I'll start talking and everything will be fine. And so when I walked out there, he did. He just started talking. That's why he talked to me for a little bit. And we told some stories yeah. about how we met. Yeah. Once we kind of cracked a few jokes back and forth with each other, it felt like we was back at Jimmy's. Yeah. And then I was like, eh, I'm fine. And I didn't forget anything. That's <laughs> so, how it goes with these podcasts for me. Like yeah. I, I will wear myself out for a week about, you know, being nervous about what, how I'm going to start this conversation with the guest or, yeah. you know, what if I, you know, get tongue tied or run out of things to say, or, yeah. you know, it's not interesting. Yeah. But yeah. Two minutes in, yeah. get comfortable. Yeah, that's how it usually goes. I've, 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 I've never. There's only like that time there, and then the other time when I opened for Scott Miller at the shed. Oh, nice! I got nervous during that one, just because you know when you look out in the crowd and you see all these great and awesome musicians staring back at you, and you're like, "Whoa, where you the hell Scott Miller these days?" You know, I don't know. Um, haven't heard from him in a while. Scott Miller and the Commonwealth. Yeah, they were around forever. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, great, great writer, and. um I remember that's my first, that's well, my first and only time at the shed, but, but it was just being there on that stage. It was an indoor show and it was packed. Wow. And, uh, man, it was, it was a good time. Well, we got a lot of good rooms around here and, and yeah. you're, you're, you're checking a lot of them off the list uh, as you're yeah. playing out, which yeah. is good. Yeah. I guess the next is the Tennessee for you. Well, next maybe step one of these days. <laughs> you never I know. think, I think you can do it. Well, you know, when we were, like I said, been noticing you for, for a while now and, and seeing and hearing your name. And I'm very glad to meet you. Uh, but when when we were at, at the show, uh, the the Christmas spectacular, you know, you and Mike were having your back and forth before you started, and, and I was just like, man, he seems just like a good soul. And in well, this, you're welcome. And and the the no sooner than I said that, Sam leaned over to me and was like, we need to have him on the podcast right away. <laughs> that's that's glad to be here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Uh, anything else fun uh, coming up other than the than the album? That's pretty much what I got working on at the moment. I'm working on that, and uh, I've not I've purposely kind of not booked as many shows. I, I normally right out of the gate just start off filling up my calendar, but I kind of wanted to step back for a minute from the playing and uh, and just focus on the stuff I'm writing and doing, and you know just kind of take a little approach. I say that, and then by by March I'll be right back into the full swing of things. I always it, it's one of those New Year's things where you go, I'm gonna do things different this year. Yeah, and then after about a month, you go, ah, hell with it, and you just go back to what you were doing. Yeah, you but, might be addicted. to yeah, this yeah, exactly. music thing. <laughs> but I, <laughs> but I think you know, I was like, okay, I'm just gonna kind of step back and create for a little bit, and I've, I've been had some different ideas of things I wanted to do. Definitely get the album finished up. It's it's really close. It's it's close to being done. We just got to put a few little finishing touches on it. Man, I'm 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 excited to. Uh... I'm excited to hear it for sure. And yeah. I'm, I appreciate you coming by a lot. I'm very glad to meet you. Yeah. I'm glad that we, uh, that we got to have this talk. Is there anything that Me I, uh, is there anything I, I missed? Is there anything? I don't think so. No, it's been a good time, man. I really appreciate you having me. Like I said, I'm a, I've listened to your show several times when I'd, I'd see people share it, you know, Hey, I was on the podcast. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna check this out. So well, I appreciate got it. Got a cool setup here, man. You guys are great. Well, thanks. We're, 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 we're growing. We're getting it, you know, a little bit, this place a little bit more put together, make, yeah. it, make it a little nicer for people to come in because, yeah. you know, sitting next to a lawnmower and some other stuff that <laughs> yeah. worked for a little while, but yeah. so, some, some, some people get turned off by that, but Hey, it is, you know, it is what it is. You're out in the shop. Yeah. Well, I played at Joe Don's, so, so it's, 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 I mean, we're at the Taj Mahal now, you know? Exactly. <laughs> Well, Brandon, thanks a lot for hey, doing man. this, and uh, I can't wait to see you out playing soon. Thanks for having me, man. You got it. Take care. All right. All right. There it is. Lots to think about there. What a guy. I appreciate him coming by. Brandon's the man. I'm glad to know him, and I uh, hope we get to do this again sometime. Don't forget to check out his show, Serious Honk. 
on realknoxvillemusic.com. That's from 8 to 10 every Tuesday night. It's live. Sometimes he has a guest on. You may even know those guests from time to time. Some of them have been on the show before. So thank you guys for being here. Take care of each other. Take care of yourselves. Be safe. Be healthy. We'll talk to you guys in a week. All right. Pitch wire. Play me out.